Morning Hope Vale, please rise and worship with us today. I was going down, thought it was for the count, then I found your love. I had wandered off, thought I had gone too far, there I found your love. Fear I used to know, can't stop me anymore, cause I
together. Lift your head. Here we go. great day to be at church, friends. So glad you're here. Hey, while you're standing, take a second, say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. All right. Let's have a seat. Hey, so good morning. Yeah, so I'm Billy. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at church. 
And uh, glad you decided to uh, take time out for God today, friends. I know that God is so honored by our attendance. You know, something special about Sunday, we were praying that before we came out this morning, something so special about a Sunday that's different than every other day of the week. Um, it's the Sabbath, as it says in the scriptures, and it's a day that's set aside. And uh, we're encouraged to not neglect the gathering of the church. And so uh, you're here today to do that. So God is very honored with your presence, whether you're over the line of faith or not. God says, I'm so glad that you're, you've come to listen and that you've come to just be part of what I have for you today. So, so glad you're here. Hey, um, got a few announcements today. Um, first one is just more of a, a celebratory announcement. November 5th, Sunday, uh, a couple weeks away, we'll be doing our baptism service. And unfortunately, it's too late to sign up for that. But uh, it's a fantastic uh, day to be here at Hopevale, November 5th. Uh, so we just want to say, hey, make sure you're here for that because it's a great way where we're, we're witnessing what's already happened in the heart. Someone's dipped down into a water grave and they die to themselves and they uh, come up, they rise again, what's called being born again and raised to new life. And it's this symbol that God's given us in the scriptures that uh, uh, Jesus, us, Jesus asked us to do that, to, to, be, to be baptized. So uh, we've got a lot of people uh, being baptized this week, uh, that, that weekend, November 5. So be here for that. That'll be a great, great service. Uh, hey, Bay City is starting right now in the venue uh, at 9.30 right now. Yeah. And if you're new with us, Bay City is a multi-site we'll be kicking off uh, early next year, and they're starting their pre-launch services there in the venue now, so we can keep them in our prayers today, too. And child dedications are coming up right around the corner. We just want to say, hey, keep an eye out for that. If you uh, are interested in signing up, uh, there's still room. Um, uh, the 1028, October 28 is the last time to sign up if you want your child dedicated and prayed for here by one of our pastors and the pastoral team. And... Um, and our children's staff, so uh, in, in front of the church as well. So uh, there's a mandatory class that's happening October 29. We'll make sure you want to be part of that. And uh, that actual dedication Sunday is November 12. So just keep uh, keep an eye out for that on your calendar. Ushers, come on forward. And uh, hey, again, let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on what's going to be given today, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that um, you've given us today. Yeah, there's something special about today that's different than every other day. And um, it's even a, a day that you rested when you created all of creation. So we mimic that. We, we rest today in your presence. We're here to say more of you, God, more of you in our life. And um, so, uh, God, we pray that you're, you're pleased with our presence. We pray that you're pleased with our time and, um, and our calendar. And uh, we pray that you'd be pleased with what we're able to give today, too, and it would be an honor uh, to your kingdom. And if uh, for those of us who aren't able to give for whatever reason yet, I pray today in these moments in offering that these are moments where we're able to say, God, uh, could you help me get to a place where I can get there and um, where I can give back to you and your kingdom's work uh, and, the king and the work that's blessing me in my life. So, God, we give all this to you, <clears throat> and it's for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, we all say and pray. Amen. God bless you. Yeah, stay seated. We're going to continue in worship with grace so glorious. Take us in, Rod.
redemption shone for all to see. Perfection bore our penalty with a grace so glorious. Immortal day, the veil was torn. When mercy dawned a crown of
you are holy and you are worthy and you are so precious to us. Thank you for being a God that's so great big that we can revere and respect and that's really far away. And thank you for being a God that we can know that is a friend and that is so very close. So many of us grew up with a God that we knew that was far away. And God, may you just draw near today as we revere and respect you and honor you. As we consider your words from your scripture, we'll be careful to listen. In your name, amen. In the spirit of worship, would you have a seat? Gonna sing a song. It has to do with uh, God's word speaking to us. If it's a song that you know, feel free to join in. I'm finding myself at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear.
Well, good morning. morning. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopevale, and this is a very special Sunday in the life of our church. As Pastor Billy mentioned, today we are kicking off our very first pre-launch service in the venue for Hopevale Bay City. Exciting stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And so for those of you watching in the venue, want to welcome you and want to say way to go. We are so glad that you're committed to being part of the founding core of Hopevale Bay City and taking this step of faith with us as we become one church in two locations. And our prayer is that as you worship today and over these next several weeks, that you will find your hearts knit together as a family as God prepares you to do some very exciting stuff. And then for the rest of you here, I don't want you to think about it just being a group worshiping way over there, okay? Now, this is what we're doing together and what God has led us to do. So as we've worshiped together, we'll share this message together. It's being streamed into the venue right now, and we'll just let the Word of God speak to us. I want to give a shout out, too, for our worship and tech volunteers and staff who've been working really hard behind the scenes leading up to this Sunday to make it happen. And let me also say this. Uh, This is a wild experiment. We don't know if we're going to run into some glitches along the way, and if we do, let's just roll with it because we're doing it together, okay? So here we go. All right. Well, last week we kicked off a series called Back to Basics. That's the basics. It's a series where we are talking about the essentials of Christianity and why it is so important for us to stay true to what matters most. What matters most, namely the life, the love of Jesus Christ that we can experience through simple belief in him. Back to Basics is also a way to describe what took place 500 years ago with the Protestant Reformation, this significant historical event that still affects us today. And so in last week's message, we looked at why this moment in history is so important, that 500 years ago in the early 1500s, Christianity had lost its way. It's no longer about the message of John 3.16, where John says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. But the church instead back then preached a different message about God and his forgiveness, that through fear and intimidation, the masses were told that the remission of sins could be bought with indulgences, indulgences, that if you made a financial contribution to the church, you could essentially purchase forgiveness for your loved ones in purgatory and reduce their time of suffering in the afterlife. And what a message. And we learned about a church leader by the name of Johann Tetzel, who went throughout Germany. He sold indulgences on behalf of the church, and he played on people's fears by telling him things like this, as soon as the gold in the casket rings, the rescued soul to heaven springs. In other words, put your gold coins in the church offering, and you're going to be able to quicken your loved one's departure from purgatory into heaven. Well, this is quite a departure, isn't it, don't you think, of the message of simple belief in Jesus from John 3, 16. And people began to notice this drift. One man in particular 
was Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a German priest in the Roman Catholic Church who, after years of being plagued by a haunting fear of a holy God and a paralyzing shame over his own sins and failures, he had a breakthrough moment as he's reading through the book of Romans and the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 1.17 that the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and the Savior of mankind, simple belief in Him. So that our righteous standing before a holy God is not about what we can actively achieve, right? Through our good works, through our merits, through what we can buy, but rather it's because of what we passively receive from the grace of God through faith in Jesus. And so when Martin Luther saw this huge discrepancy between the liberating truths of Scripture and the superstitious teachings of the church, he knew something wasn't right, and he knew that things needed to change. And so as a way to address these injustices, on October 31st, 1517, 500 years ago, he posted a document known as the 95 Theses, or Protests, on the front door of the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. Thus began the Protestant Reformation. This time in history also coincided with the invention of the printing press. And so these 95 theses were copied in mass and distributed widely throughout Europe. Other Christians were also rising up and asking questions too. And pretty soon, more and more in the church were returning back to the basics, right? Back to the, see, that's what the Protestant Reformation was all about getting back to the basic message of what it is for us to experience God's life, God's love through simple belief in Jesus Christ. And so on the occasion of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, this serves as both an encouragement and a warning for us. Like I said last week, when we look back and remember, two things should happen. One, we should be grateful, right? Thankful for Christians who kept things basic for us. When I say look back, I'm not just talking about the apostles of 2,000 years ago or the reformers of 500 years ago, but this is anyone in our lives who kept the Christian faith basic and who shared it with us, who poured out into us through both what they said and how they lived. So that is the encouragement. Be grateful, but the warning is just as important. We should also stay guarded. Right? We should stay guarded because we too can drift from simple belief in Jesus. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it, it's been said. And so whether it's the entire Christian landscape in America, it's our church as a whole, or it's each of us as individual believers in Jesus, we can't lose sight of what matters most. Otherwise, we're gonna make our Christian faith about something other than Jesus. That's why I think this verse captures it so well. Paul's warning in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from, and here it is, right, your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. See, more than anything else, the true test of your faith is not your religious upbringing, it's not your frequent church attendance, it's not your political affiliation, and it's not your happy home. All good things, but they're not the main thing. No, here it is, right here, sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's the goal, and I love those words, sincere and pure. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not sophisticated, not complicated. Sincere and pure 
devotion to Jesus. That is the message of Scripture. That's the lesson of the Protestant Reformation. And that's the challenge for all of us here who call Hopevale our church home. So that's how we kicked things off last week, and it's good for us to have that context. But today and for the rest of this series, I want us to think more about what it means to keep it basic, right? To keep it basic. If the goal indeed is for us to not drift away from sincere and pure devotion to Christ, then what's going to help us do that? What is going to keep us on track and prevent us from making our Christianity complicated, convoluted, and contorted like it was 500 years ago before the Reformation? Well, thankfully, the Protestant Reformation left us a roadmap, left us some signposts, some direction arrows that keep us headed in the right direction. Now, just to make things clear, you know, these weren't teachings that people like Martin Luther and other reformers just pulled out of thin air and made up on their own. Now, these were discoveries, or should I say rediscoveries, of what the Christian faith was always meant to be about, right? going all the way back to the time of Jesus and his original apostles. So what are these signposts? What are these direction arrows from the Protestant Reformation? Well, here they are. They're known as the five solas. Now, sola is a Latin word, right? It means alone or only, and that should make sense to us, right? Because as English speakers, we think of the word solo, and we think what? A song that is sung or a song that is performed by just one person, right? But the five solas aren't about music, they're about beliefs, and so as you can see on this list, there were five basic biblical beliefs that the leaders of the Protestant Reformation felt like every Christian needed to know. So here they are, right? Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, that the Bible alone is our highest authority. Sola Gratia, I had to throw a little, Gratia, right, Um, grace alone, right? We are saved by the grace of God alone. Sola Fide, faith alone, we are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Solus Christus, Christ alone, Jesus Christ alone is our Lord our Savior, and our King. And then this last one, soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. We live for the glory of God alone. That and nothing else. And so if indeed our goal is a sincere and pure devotion to Christ, then these five expressions of Christianity will bring you back to the basics and they'll keep you on track. So that's where we're going to go over these next five weeks. And so for the first one, let's start with the top of the list, right? Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. We believe that the Bible alone and nothing else is our highest authority. Scripture alone. Now, what does that mean, and why is it so important? Well, to help our understanding, let's go back 500 years, okay, and realize why this was such a big deal. Remember the setting. It's the early 1500s. The Roman Catholic Church was the dominant player in Christianity. They held all the cards, and any kind of questioning or disagreement with the church brought swift and harsh punishment. That's the way it was, and that's why Martin Luther and his 95 Theses were so controversial, because they called into question the church's practice of selling indulgences. Now, we'll talk more in the weeks to come of why that is so problematic, but what's at stake here with the basic of Scripture alone isn't what the belief itself says, but it's rather this. Okay, here we go. Pay attention. Who gets to decide what Christians should believe? It's a pretty important question, isn't it? Who gets to decide what Christians 
believe. And this is where Martin Luther really got himself into trouble, because who would possibly dare to question the authority of the church and its traditions? Now, just to be clear, Martin Luther was not anti-church, and he was not anti-tradition either. As a matter of fact, he saw these things as necessities in the life of a Christian. So he's not some anarchist who's trying to tear everything down. No, he is a protester. He is a, a reformer who is trying to get the church to return to its roots. And so the issue with Scripture alone is this, that when there is a conflict between the Bible and church doctrine, who wins out? Okay? When there is a conflict between the Bible and church doctrine, who wins out? See, Martin Luther agreed with the church on a lot of things because the practices could be traced back to the teachings of Scripture. There were many things, and he didn't have a problem with those, but when it came to other things like the selling of indulgences, when it came to the primacy of the Pope's pronouncements over biblical teaching, that's what troubled him and led him to post the 95 Theses. Well, after that event on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther got into trouble, and he stayed in trouble. For the next four years, in 1521, after he was excommunicated from the church by the Pope, he was then put on trial by the civil authorities, and he was given one last opportunity, I mean, really intense situation here, one last opportunity to recant his beliefs. Otherwise, he would be arrested and probably executed. And so with all eyes on him, the question was asked, will you recant? Will you take back everything you've been teaching? This is your last shot. What are you going to say? This was his reply. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of Scripture or by clear reason, I am bound by the Scriptures I have cited for my conscious, pay attention, my conscious is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything since to act against one's conscience is neither safe nor right. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. May God help me. Amen. In other words, unless you can show me from the Bible why you're right and I'm wrong, I cannot and will not recant my beliefs. Why? Because my conscience right, is bound by the word of God. And so in the end, I am accountable to its highest and final authority over my life, not yours. And so wherever that's going to lead me, I will trust God with the consequences. That's what happened. That's what sola scriptura is all about. The Bible alone and nothing else is our highest, our final authority. And so like Christians have done throughout the centuries, going all the way back to the time of the apostles, Martin Luther took seriously what the Bible had to say about itself. Take, for instance, this passage from the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says this, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired, different than anything else ever written. 2 Peter 1 Verse 20, the Apostle Peter echoes this. He says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Right? In other words, the Bible isn't just a bunch of stuff made up by people. No, verse 21, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the eternal God speaking through the Holy Spirit moved through human authors at different times in histories through their own unique personalities to give us the words of the Bible that we have 
today. That's why Martin Luther was so adamant, and we should be too, that anything taught by church leaders or church traditions that contradicts the Bible must be rejected. Scripture alone and nothing else is our highest authority. Well, the insistence of sola scriptura among the reformers back in the 1500s has a direct impact about how we today, right, how we today should live out a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And this impact plays out in a couple of very distinct ways. The first impact is this, that as we think about the Bible, the Bible has authority over all. It is greater than the words of church leaders and traditions. See, this is a matter of who gets the final say, right? Who gets the final say in what we should believe about the core doctrines of our faith? Now, again, this isn't about disregarding tradition completely. It's not about pitting the Bible against church leaders in every situation. But, you know, whether it's here at Hopewell or whether you are attending another church, I want you to be part of a congregation that overlaps these two as much as possible, right? What the church believes and what the Bible teaches, where the leadership, where the traditions of the church are formed and shaped and directed by the Word of God. But, but when the teachings of a church or a particular pastor come in contradiction to the Bible, then you got to side with Scripture. you got to side with Scripture all the time. You do. Well, like I said last week, you know, it's easy for us to look back 500 years and see how the sale of indulgences as a means of forgiveness are nowhere to be found in the Bible. But even today, we can fall prey to teachers that Jesus calls um, wolves in sheep's clothing, right? False teachers who take the Bible, pluck a couple passages out of context and use for their own means. And so when a good-looking, well-dressed TV preacher tells you to donate money because God wants you rich, throws in a couple random Bible verses to prove his point, as tempting as it is to want to believe, because after all, who doesn't want to be rich monetarily? You need to ask yourself, is that really what the Scripture teaches? Certainly wasn't the case for Jesus, was it? No, we need to look at the whole of Scripture, especially the New Testament, to understand God's will for us as Christians. I think of one passage where this is on display. It's in the New Testament book of Acts. This is a first century account of the spread of Christianity through the ministry of the apostles. And as they traveled throughout the Middle East and the Mediterranean world, they would teach about Jesus in all sorts of places, synagogues, temples, town squares. And on one occasion, in Acts 17, we read this, verse 10, that as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So Berea is a Mediterranean town in Macedonia. They stopped to teach at the local synagogue there. But pay attention to this, verse 11. Now the Berean Jews, so those are Jewish worshipers in Berea at the synagogue, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. So that's a nearby town where they had just come from. They were more noble, and why does it say they were more noble? For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They examined the Scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. So Paul is teaching from the Jewish Scriptures, right? Our Old Testament, that's all they had then. He's teaching about Jesus being the Messiah, and they're excited about this good news. They're eager to know more, but... But what? They examined the Bible to see if what Paul said was true. We love what you're saying, Paul, but is it a confirmation 
or a contradiction of what we're reading in the Bible. Look what they found, verse 12. As a result, many of them believed, right? Simple belief in Jesus. Back to the basics. Many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Listen, when the word of God is shared, when the good news of Jesus is preached free from contradiction, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. First century, 21st century. We've seen it happen here at Hope Valley, and it is truly amazing. But it's only going to happen when the message of Scripture has the final say. Authority over all, the Bible is greater than the words of church leaders and traditions. That is one modern-day impact of Scripture alone. Here's the other. Access for all. Authority over all, access for all, that the Bible can and should be read by everyone. Now, this might not seem like a big deal in 2017, right? But back in 1517, this was unheard of. Now, part of that is because the invention of the printing press was brand spanking new, so the average person wouldn't have had their own copy of Scripture in the home or any book, for that matter. No, back then, books and reading and studies were reserved for the scholarly and the upper class. But even beyond the availability of books, the church back then taught that um, reading the Scripture, interpreting the Bible, should be left to the experts. The church taught that reading the Bible, interpreting the Scriptures, should be left to the experts. And who were the experts? <laughs> they were, right? We're the only ones who get to say. We're the only ones qualified to understand God's intended meeting in Scripture. And it was outrageous to think that a commoner could be trusted with the Bible. No, they just need to be told what to think, told what to think, what to do, and what to believe. That was the mindset back then. Well, Martin Luther and the other reformers, they thought differently. They believed that the average person, people like us, that's who we would have been, not only could be trusted to read the Bible for themselves, but they should be trusted to read the Bible for themselves. And so the Bible, which back then was only available in scholarly languages like Hebrew and Greek and Latin, began to be translated into and then later printed into more common languages of the day like German and French and English and other European languages that the people spoke. It was a revolutionary con concept, and the church didn't like it one bit. William Tyndale, he's the first one to translate the Bible into English. He had to go into hiding for many years because of his work. He was eventually discovered when an acquaintance of his betrayed him to a band of soldiers hired by church officials. Betrayed. Betrayed. Sounds a lot like the story of Jesus and Judas, doesn't it? And so William Tyndale was brought into trial, condemned as a heretic, turned over to the civil authorities. They bound his body to a wooden beam. They strangled him with a rope. They burnt his corpse, and then they scattered his remains. All for what? All because he wanted to get the Bible into the hands of the common people. And so here we are 500 years later. I mean, we, we have copies of the English Bible all over the place multiple versions. You can run to the store and get a Bible in any size, shape, color, and cover quality. As a matter of fact, you want a Bible of your own? Take one of ours, right? We have these Bible carts in the back. We've got them in the venue too. That just on your way out after the service, go ahead and pick it up, right? The Bible for yourself. There's also free access to the Bible electronically, right? Through the YouVersion app, through the Hopevale app. I mean, it's an awesome privilege that we have to have such access, but it came as a price, at a price. 
the reformers of 500 years ago who strongly believed in access for all, right, that the Bible can and should be read by everyone, and that includes every single one of you here today. Authority over all, access for all. This is the impact of Scripture alone, that the Bible and nothing else is our final authority in matters of life and faith and belief. And so with that in mind, as we begin to wrap up, I just want to leave you with a few practical applications of how this should affect your own life, right? And that goes for everyone here regardless of how you would define your faith in Jesus, right? Everyone here, whether or not you have a faith in Jesus, and then if you do, how strong that might be. Listen, the Bible is for all of us. So with that in mind, let me share with you these four practical steps. Here we go. Here's the first. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. You not only have my permission, you have my encouragement. And I say that because I know some of you come from backgrounds where that wasn't permissible, where that wasn't encouraged. No, the message you received is you don't need to or you're not allowed to. Well, that's not the message you're going to get here at Hope I'll Know. My encouragement is that you start reading, continue reading the Bible on your own. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It just needs to be something. And so for some of you here, if you have a desire to read, but you don't know where to begin, let me give you a couple suggestions. I'd say start with something in the New Testament. You know, the Gospel of Mark, for instance, is the shortest of the four biographical books of Jesus. Mark focuses on what Jesus did. The Gospel of John looks more at what Jesus said and who Jesus was. So you want to know more about Jesus? Read his story. Read his story in the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of John. And then second, the YouVersion app, right, that you can access on a smartphone. has several abbreviated reading plans where you can begin to expose the Bible, right, get exposure to the Bible. There's one five-day plan called Finding Your Way Back to God. Another is a seven-day plan called Beginning a Relationship with Jesus. You know, these are all tools to help you to begin to read the Bible for yourself. Read it for yourself, and then second, discuss it with others. Discuss the Bible with others. Listen, the Bible makes it clear that we were never meant to go it alone as Christians, right? We were never meant to go it alone as Christians. That's why we are so big on community groups around here. We need one another, and one of the best ways for you to grow in your knowledge of the Bible and your faith in Jesus is to talk about the Scriptures with other people. In community groups, we create Bible discussions built around the Sunday message. And so whether you know a lot about the Bible, a little about the Bible, or nothing about the Bible, if you're here on a Sunday, you can talk about what you heard. Even better, you can ask questions about what you've heard. Because we want our community groups to be safe places for you to ask questions and learn more. Because we're all in different places spiritually, right? And that's okay. Listen, I know we've got a lot of caring people in this church who want to help you grow, and they're more than glad to let you ask anything and everything. So discuss it with others. Third, learn it over time. Learn it, you know, you're not going to master the Bible in a week, a month, a year, or even a lifetime. You won't. So don't be discouraged by what you don't know. And here's the other thing. Don't compare yourself with others either. That's not the standard. No, God is thrilled when we seek to know him more through his word, no matter how much or how little we know. That's why it's good to be here on Sundays for the message. It's good to connect with one of our classes offered throughout the week. You know, one specific that I want to draw your attention to, 
begins uh, Sunday, November 5th at 6 p.m. Pastor Ken's going to be teaching a class called Truth in Life. Truth in Life, Understanding and Applying the Bible. It's going to last for six weeks, and it's just a great step to expand your knowledge of the Bible. You can stop by our info desk in the lobby and learn more about that. See, a follower of Jesus is called a disciple. We are disciples. And you know what disciple means? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is an apprentice. Where it's not about how much you can cram into your head, but whether what works its way into your hearts. And so we, as disciples of Jesus, we need to be teachable, lifelong learners who are always hungering to know God more through his word. Learn it over time and then finally obey it in everything. Obey it in everything. Live it out in every area of your life. If you were here last fall, that's what the 168 push was all about. That we would follow Jesus every hour of our week in every area of our life. Listen, we can get all A's in these first three, you know, applications, right? Reading it, discussing it, learning it. But if we don't do this fourth one, if we don't obey it in everything, we will have failed. James, the New Testament author, says, don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Don't be like the person, James goes on to say, who looks at a mirror and sees something about himself, herself that needs to change, but then just walks away and does nothing about it. No, God gives us his word not just to inform our minds, but to change our lives. To change our lives. Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 14. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Well, that's as straightforward as you can get, right? See, this is what Jesus is saying. Love is action. It's not just what we say, it's what we do. And so as Christians, we obey Jesus. Why? It's an act of love as grateful response to the love he has first shown to us. And I know the word obey sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? It's a harsh word. But at the heart of obey is just really this whole idea of trust. Can I trust Jesus with my life? Can I take Jesus at his word? See, this is the true test of faith. Tests that we face all the times. Some of you here today are wrestling. I know you're with, with knowing what God wants you to do, but you're unwilling to do it. You've come up with a whole long list of some very rational reasons to justify your behavior, even though deep down inside you know you're resisting God. Boy, that's the crossroads. So maybe it's an apology you need to make, right? You need to say sorry to someone you've wronged. Or maybe it's an issue of forgiveness that you're wrestling with, right? You just can't let go of a grudge. You're looking for vengeance. Maybe you're struggling with a money issue, like getting out of a car loan and downsizing what you're driving to lower your debt. Or maybe it's about giving, giving money away, right? Giving something away to the Christmas Eve offering to help launch Hopevale Church in Bay City. Or speaking of Bay City, maybe it's leaving the comforts of Hopevale in Saginaw to help this new church reach even more people in the Great Lakes Bay region with the love of Jesus. Maybe it's something else. I don't know what it is, right? But whatever it is, pay attention. Don't resist because loving Jesus is obeying Jesus. And so when it comes to the Bible, read it for yourself. Discuss it with others. Learn it over time and then obey it in everything. This is what it means to get back to basics. Back to basics where the Bible alone and nothing else is our highest, our final authority. 
And so as you think about your week, which one of these four would you say that God wants you to pursue, right? Read it, discuss it, learn it, obey it. List of four, there's got to be one on there for you, right? There is. You know, right before the message, we sang Word of God Speak. It's a song, it's a prayer. It's a prayer to the one who loves you more than you can imagine. So wherever God is leading you, whatever he calls you to do, you can be sure that God has your best in mind. So when the Word of God speaks to you, listen, respond, follow, and obey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are in this place, and we are thankful for those who have gone before us, who tried to keep the Christian faith basic. And God, there is always the temptation throughout history to want to look for something else besides the Bible, thinking there are hidden gems or, you know, undiscovered wisdom in something else other than what you've already given us. But Lord, we come back. We come back to your word, to what it says. We want to be people who read it for ourselves. We want to be people who discuss it with others. We want to be people who learn it over time. We want to be people who obey it in everything. And we're not going to get there in a day, a month, a year. But we want to take those steps. Steps of obedience. Steps of hunger to know you more. Because your word is life. As it says in the Psalms, direct me in the path of your commands, Lord, because there I find delight. Let us delight in your word, because in your word, that is where we experience you. And so God, with these four steps of application, speak to all of us. Let us take a step, step toward you, not away from you. As your word lives and breathes and reigns over us. This we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
So that was the end, right? All right, some of you got psyched out before. Hey, uh, what a service. So glad to be able to share this with you as we seek to have the word of God speak to our hearts. And we in return say, Lord, here's our life. Here's our church. Speak what is true. Next week, we will continue our Back to Basics series. We'll talk about the power of God's amazing grace in our life. We'll also share communion together as a church family. But as you go from here, may the word of God speak to you. God bless you.